all those who were late to grab their coffee <laughs> to come back in um, as we get started. I want to ask us today to begin by Spending some time in prayer, um, individually. We all have had, a, I'm sure in some way or another, interesting weeks or boring weeks or dramatic weeks, um, different things um, that we've been through. Uh, but we all also walk into this space with different things perhaps we want to express to God um, or bring before him or... We're even hoping he'd, he'd respond to us on today. And so I just want to ask us for like a minute, um, if we can just go before God with whatever, whether it's excitement or sorrow or, or, or desire or pain, whatever, and just bring that before God um, and ask him for the next few minutes, would you perhaps use this time to respond to me and, 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 and the space I am in? Um, so let's just take a moment to go before God. Our Heavenly Father, we bring our hearts, our minds, our sorrows, our joys, our pain, our anxiety, our questions, our desires, our dreams, and we lay them at your feet at this time. And Lord, I ask that even as we look at, at Hannah's prayer today, that you would use this time to give us the very words, the very heart that we need to have as we come before you. That you'd meet us individually at our points of need. That whatever we've come into this tent with, that all of us would walk out saying, we, we, we heard from you, we met you. So would you speak to us, Lord? In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Today we're going to have a conversation on prayer. Um, and it's a topic we can never get enough of um, and never seem to, regardless of what side of scripture we, we are focusing on, we always seem to have a space where we need to have a conversation around prayer. I feel like it's one of those topics I may have sat in the most teaching sessions through and yet... Uh, you always, I always feel, I don't know if you're like that, 
I still feel like I, I need to learn how to pray. I still feel like there's so much to, to, to figure out about what does, how do I pray? How do I, how do I bring my whole self into that prayer? How do I grow in a way that I can keep praying and praying more? And as I was thinking about this, I remember the story that I think I must have been about in high school that we used to be told to encourage us to pray. Um, about uh, early Christian converts who, they were together in a, in, a, in a group, in a place where they were staying, and, and to encourage them to pray, each one would have a path they'd take to their corner of the bush and trees where they'd go and pray. And over time, because they're taking the same path every day, uh, you would see the different parts of the grass that are worn out. But what they used to do is also when you'd see grass growing back on someone's path, you'd come back and tell, uh, brother, you're not praying hard enough. You need to pick up your prayer life. And so when we were being taught this, we used to be told, make sure there is no grass growing on your path of prayer. Um, to be encouraged to pray more. I'm not sure it works at that time, but um, here we are. Today we're looking at an interesting, an interesting part of scripture because it's almost like a, a psalm dead in the middle of what is a story of, of, of Samuel and what will eventually become a story of the kingdom of Israel and the kings there. And we are hoping to glean on this prayer, on this psalm, and see what things can we learn, what things do we need to perhaps challenge the state of our hearts and minds when it comes to prayer. And hopefully these things today can spark something for you and for me in our own prayer lives and in our own time with God. That we'll be encouraged by it, that we'll learn something from it. Um, so the passage we're looking at is a follow-up of where Chris had started us on last week. So we had begun First Samuel chapter 1, and we were looking at um, just the story of Hannah, who was married to a man called Elkanah, and she was barren. And uh, it had really broken her because she was a victim of constant mockery by her co-wife. Uh, and it was completely weighing heavy on her. And she brought herself to the Lord and cried to God and pleaded with God, Hear me, answer my prayer. And at a point, she made a very interesting prayer where she told the Lord, if you answer my prayer and if you give me a son, I will give this son back to you. Um, and that's sort of where we find ourselves today. We find ourselves at a point where God answers her prayer and she does get a son. And so after winning him and at that those days, that, that would be at about two, three years old. She takes him to the temple, and she gives him over, gives her son over, Samuel, to early the priest. And where our text today falls, 1 Samuel chapter 2, is her response after giving her son over to early. Her response in prayer, or song, or psalm, depending on how you look at it, to God in the midst of what is happening. So let's look at it. First Samuel chapter 2. We'll look at verse 1 to 10. First Samuel chapter 2 from verse 1 to 10.
And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has born seven, but she who has many children is fallen. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down from Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap and he make an uh, ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of the faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. The, then Elkanah went home. Um, to Rama, and the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. Let's pause there. I think one of the things that encouraged me the most about this prayer by Hannah is that so often when we think about Hannah's story, we imagine how excited and happy she must have been that the Lord answered her prayer. How over the moon she must have been. And that is true, largely. To imagine a woman who had been barren and had been crying to the Lord and a victim of continuous ridicule, to imagine that her biggest desire and longing was for a child and for the Lord to see her and for her place, even amongst those around her, to be viewed as one who is worth it. For God to answer that prayer. And so when God grants exactly what she desired, makes sense that she'd be excited and over the moon. And makes sense that she would give a prayer of rejoicing. But as I thought about the story, I realized, actually, it's not that simple. Imagine having longed for a child for that long. And you pray, and God answers that prayer. And you win this child, and you're connected and bonded to this child, and at about age two or three, you pick your son up. And you take him several kilometers away, and you give him over to an old man whose children are known for poor moral conduct. <laughs> and you surrender your child there. And you turn back and go home. I don't know about you, but that would not be a time of rejoicing for me. It's easy to see the answered prayer and assume, oh, of course Hannah must have been excited. But I don't think this was a moment of super excitement for her. And the reason that stands out is because in that moment of what must have been one of her most difficult choices, she rejoices in the Lord and gives praise to him. 
I imagine myself, and when the child is weaned, I imagine myself beginning to complain. God has no compassion. He knows how long I have wanted a child. And yet he still wants me to hand over this child. How is he a loving God? I'd probably turn the script. I imagine I'd probably change my prayer and begin negotiating with the Lord. You who is a merciful God. (laughs) Who knows the desires and longing of our hearts. I'd probably justify in my head a theology that allows me to keep my son. Believing that that is actually what God desired. But Hannah faithfully honors what she had made as a promise to God and takes her son and surrenders her son and after that sings a prayer of rejoicing and celebration to the Lord. She says her heart rejoices and exalts and is bursting with joy in the Lord. She spends time acknowledging that there is no one holy like the Lord, no one as strong and mighty as he is amidst what must be a painful time. She sees God not as a villain to her heart's desire or an obstacle to her true joy, but as mighty and great. And for me, this this is is a great rebuke and a great challenge. Whether in the different circumstances we face in our lives, we have learned to tune our hearts, our minds, our eyes to see God's faithfulness, God's goodness, God's hand, God's greatness, regardless of the circumstance we are in. To see God even in the amazing times of our lives. Because you know sometimes we assume that it's only in the difficult and bad times that we forget to see God. But I've found in my life, often it's in the great moments that it's harder for me to see God's hand and faithfulness. That in the good times, we don't see good luck. We don't see our hard work that has earned us a great opportunity. But we see a God who gave us opportunity even through others who he's brought our way. We see a great God who has continued to build our knowledge and skill even if we've had to toil for years to develop it. We don't see coincidences in life, but we see God's hand at work. How do we begin to tune our hearts and minds to see God in everything? There's a story that is told about a a small town that was uh, historically dry. But then there's a businessman who decided to build a tavern. And a group of Christians were concerned and planned an all-night meeting to ask God to intervene. And uh, shortly after, lightning struck and that bar was burnt to the ground. And so the owner of the bar went to the courts and he sued the church claiming that uh, the congregation was responsible for the destruction of his bar through their prayers. But the church and their lawyer argued that there's no way they were responsible. 
And the judge at a point in the midst of all that's happening argued that no matter what the outcome of this case will be, he found it really interesting that the tavern owner believed in prayer and in God's hand more than the church. <laughs> Do we see God's hand in everything that is happening in our lives, both the good and the bad? Do we see him in the very moments of our lives? Do we see him in the boring and monotonous days and seasons of our lives to see his sustenance, to see him in the stillness of life, to hear him in those moments? Do we see him also in the bad and difficult seasons, those full of pain, and yet we still choose to see his hand? I've often been extremely encouraged, and, and this has happened to me more than once, where you've gone to visit someone in hospital, often towards their latter days of life, in what must be an extremely painful moment for them. And you walk in, and you find people in the midst of rejoicing and thanking God for the wonderful days of their life, thanking God even for the current situation they're in. And I'm almost, I often feel like I leave that room angry, and yet they are rejoicing. And it's often been a challenge to me. How, 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 how are they able to see God in each of the situations they're in, especially those kind of situations? I'm not even in that situation and I'm struggling and I'm wondering, where are you, Lord? Hannah was not rejoicing about leaving her son. But that did not stop her from rejoicing in the Lord and in the faithfulness of the Lord and in a God who answered her prayer and in a God who is mighty and who is great. And my question for us is perhaps today, how can we do the same? How can we, regardless of whatever we are experiencing or going through in our lives, begin to ask ourselves, where is God in the midst of this? And how can I rejoice and celebrate what he is doing in and around me. But the other thing that extremely encouraged me about Hannah's prayer is there's a sense of honesty about how she prays. There's a sense to which she doesn't try necessarily feel like she's trying to put together her words to sound all proper and pious. And this, for some reason, has been almost a recurring theme that we've taught about prayer uh, over the last, I think, year or so a sense of how do we bring an honesty and vulnerability to the Lord without fearing that he can't handle it. Trusting that God already knows the state of our heart and there's no need to pretend and put together the correct and right words as we come to him, but bring our hearts in honesty before him. You see, Hannah begins to let me just read that part out for us. In verse 1, she says, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn, meaning her strength, is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. So she begins to address those people who had been mocking her for, for days. 
She goes to verse 3. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind in strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has, has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. She does not mean her words towards what this means for her with regards to her interaction with Penina. And as much as she's not necessarily uh, in a state of complaining about what's happening with Samuel, which probably is still something she was feeling, she acknowledges God's hand. And she's not shy of saying how God has strengthened her. And now her mouth can open up wide and call out her enemies and speak up against them and the things they were doing. And goes on to warn all those who are proud that God knows your actions and he weighs them. In fact, I imagine it's almost like her chest is now puffed up, head high. And she now has courage to speak out against things that she was not able to say before. In verse 3, she says, don't keep talking. Talk no more so very proudly. And for some reason, as I read that verse, my head went to, you know, there are moments in sports where uh, a certain player has been under ridicule, especially by media. And they have been bashing him, bashing him. And then they score an amazing goal. A game winner. And I remember once when Henri did this to my team, and he turned to the camera, like, shh. Talk no more. And there's a sense to which Hannah doesn't hide that side of her heart that she's doing. Penina, where are you? <laughs> Bring yourself now. Let's hear you. What more can you say? My God is mighty. My God is faithful. He has answered my prayers. You know, we sometimes are too proper to even tell God that we have enemies. No, they're not enemies. They're just challenges in our lives. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd have had the sense of honesty and vulnerability to express myself like she did in her prayer. I'd imagine myself in her situation. And you know, you just thank God for everything that is happening. But I'm not sure I would have the courage to, to rejoice in the fact that my enemies have been put in their place. I think there is something to learn from that in terms of the honesty with which we bring ourselves to the Lord in prayer. The way we declare and, 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 and trust that even if what I am saying, Lord, is wrong, you will then rebuke me. And you will correct me, but this is where my heart is. You know, maybe God has intervened on a boss you were praying about, a situation at work, and he was so oppressive, and he removes him. And maybe you're fearing just saying, God, I rejoice <laughs> in the removal of that man. Let's bring our hearts to the Lord even as we pray. 
That even as we see his faithfulness and as we see his hand, when we bring ourselves in honesty, it actually allows us to see more of what God is doing. Her honesty allowed us to see God's hand in avenging her. Her honesty allowed her to see actually God, God, God despises the proud and he lowers uplift the humble. And you see that as a recurring theme in her prayer. How can we bring ourselves to the Lord? And I don't know today what, what is in your heart, what is in your mind that perhaps your disposition or religious worldview feels like I can't bring that or say that to the Lord. And my challenge is, can we just honestly and vulnerably bring ourselves to God today? In acknowledging his hand, but also acknowledging the things and the spaces we are in. And I love how, as you read through Hannah's prayer, you almost realize that her words in calling out her enemy also turn on her. Because you almost get a sense in which she's also telling herself, don't get proud. Because the Lord despises those who are proud. And he will judge their actions. So in the same breath as she calls out her enemies, it is also checking her. And I think there's so much that we can gain from those bringing ourselves fully to God. Because then he meets us in our actual self. And the other thing that I think I want to encourage us today from Hannah's prayer is she spends a large chunk of her prayer actually declaring the truth of the character of God. From verse 6, she says, The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. He sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ashes. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The most high will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And I think there is something about Hannah spending time acknowledging who God is, what he does, what his character is, the things about the Lord that are never changing. That I think is actually almost a ministering to herself in declaring those things about God. It cements her experience of what God has done for her in truths that are never changing about who God is. It almost helps affirm the very things she is seeing and experiencing about God. And it allows those truths to almost become prophetic utterances about things that God shall do because they are the truth about who God is and they will never change. This is a prayer that if you and I said today, we almost feel prophetic because God will do these things. These are the things he has said he will do 
and there are things he has always done and will always do. And I think there is something beautiful about declaring those things in our prayer. Because it allows us to see the sovereign hand of the Lord in all circumstances. And so often our prayers focus on us, and that's okay. Hannah's prayer focused on her, and that's okay. And on what God had done for her. But we also need to allow ourselves to focus on God and who he is. Because then that puts our state and our circumstance in perspective of God's sovereignty. And it allows us to be ministered to by God, to be encouraged by the Lord. I can imagine Hannah worried about her three-year-old son. And as she declares the truth of God's sovereign hand, perhaps it builds up her hope and her faith in knowing God is in control. God's got this. What are the truths about God that we can encourage ourselves to declare even in our prayer life? One of the places we can find those is in God's word. How do we perhaps even start praying using scripture? Because those are truths that don't change. But it will also allow us to, by faith, call upon God for the things we are hoping for in the future. Because we are calling upon the very things that are in God's nature, God's desire, and God's will. Because they are what he has declared in his word. And today I want to challenge us as well. As we bring ourselves, as we rejoice and see what God has done around us. And we worship him, regardless of our circumstance. As we bring ourselves in honesty and vulnerability to the Lord. Can we also challenge ourselves to lean on and build a foundation of everything we are saying and desiring on the truth of who God is. And declare those things and allow those things to speak into our circumstance and our situation. I want us to take some time in prayer now. I want us to take some time and allow ourselves to come before the Lord. I always think about uh, the first prayer Hannah did in first, in first Samuel chapter 1, where the pain she had in her heart allowed her not to care about what she looks like when she was praying. She looked like a drunk woman. And I want us to, to take that posture as we come before. I'm not telling you to act drunk, but <laughs> to take that posture as we come before God today. A posture of not caring about who is around us. What's the space we're in? How should I act or behave in this space? But generally come before God. And each one of us can come before him because good, bad, neutral, boring, normal, each of those is a space to come before God in. So come before the Lord wherever he finds you now. And spend some time celebrating him and rejoicing him. Ask him, show me the things you've been doing around me that I might praise you. But also declare to him where you are in your heart and in your mind. So let me invite us to just take some time in prayer.
as we continue in prayer, perhaps you're there and, and you want to pray, but the, the circumstance you find yourself in feels so heavy that perhaps you lack the words and you just want someone to pray for you. Let me invite you, please, if you may, just stand where you are. If you'd like to come to the front, that's okay. If you just want to stand or lift your hand where you are, and someone will come around you and pray with you and hold you and join you in prayer. Even where perhaps it, is, it, is, it feels heavy for you. It's okay, you can stand, you can lift your hand. If you just want someone to come pray with you, to come be with you, you can come to the front. There'll be people here who are ready to pray with you as well. Jesus.